Good morning to you. Nice to be dry, at least for the moment. I think we're going to get a little rain later today, but praise God, we've been praying for rain for so long. Isn't it wonderful, finally, to get a little overwhelmed by it? This is the new year. And yes, I am going to talk about resolutions. Jennifer's already introduced our sermon this morning in in a very wonderful way. And it is a good time for us to just stop and reflect. To look back on the previous year, or maybe previous 60 or however many. And also to think about this coming year. Because this is a wonderful time, an opportunity for each of us. And let's be honest, we all need to be challenged a little bit. We drift a little bit, we get into habits that maybe aren't the best, and so yes, it is a good time to think about what do I want to happen in my life in regards to my relationship with Jesus Christ this year. That's, I think, a rather important thing to consider. You know, the, the problem is that most of us have had so many years of resolutions. How many of you have ever made the same resolution more than once? How about more than ten times? I remember the year that I resolved that I would never eat another gram of carbs in my whole life. It didn't last too long. I think I got about three days. <clears throat> The problem is sometimes we have too many of these resolutions. Sometimes we don't think through them carefully enough. Perhaps maybe we don't pray about them enough. We hit a wall after three or four days, or maybe after a week we realize, wait a minute, didn't I make a resolution? And I haven't even thought about it since I did. And, and oh, well, anyway, there's next year. <clears throat> And I think one of the biggest problems is uh, a lot of people actually try to make the resolution on on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, which is maybe not the best time to make a long-term commitment in our lives. We often seem to have little follow-up, either personally or with others, in regards to these New Year's resolutions. And so generally we get discouraged, maybe a bit jaded about... Is it possible for me to even make a change in my life? Am I just stuck with me as I was last year and the year before? (laughs) Or is this actually something that can happen in my life? I want to just read a series of verses. Jennifer read one of them earlier that talk about God's expectation for his people to live transformed lives. So listen or or follow along with these, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Our worship is about presenting ourselves to Him. 
And the result should be that we're no longer living like we once did, but we are actually transformed by God's work in our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Paul declares it as a simple fact. How about Philippians 3? Twelve through fourteen. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead... I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now let me just mention, we didn't read the previous section. But what Paul is talking about, and this is the same Paul that we know as the great theologian and missionary who's been at this point probably following Christ 30 years. What he is talking about is that he has not reached the level of of personal intimacy with Jesus Christ that he knows he was created to have. That's rather humbling. But also, to see that attitude that I'm not satisfied with where I am. I want to know him even more deeply. And then Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. Actually, we won't read all of that. Let me just read. Verses 22 to 24. You took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So as Christians, we are taking off the old and putting on the new. You know, as adults, we live a life of responsibility that is, to a large extent, an issue of a pattern of habits, isn't it? How many of you remember putting the toothpaste on your toothbrush this morning? You remember opening it and putting it on there. You you remember that? Some of you probably can't remember. You actually brushed your teeth, but it just sort of happened so naturally. How many of you remember locking your car when you walked into church this morning? Some of you are better than others. That's amazing. You know, I I really don't remember this morning. I'm going to assume I did. In fact, one of the ongoing things at my household between me and Ann is that she is so responsible. If she can't remember doing it, she has to go back and check. And the problem is there's so many things in our lives that are actually habits, right? Do you remember turning off the light in the bedroom when you left home this morning? Some of you may, but most of us probably don't. It just sort of happens as you walk through the door. You just 
hit that light. There's so many things in our lives that are actually a habit. We hardly think about it. Let me ask you this. How many of you got up this morning and had a long debate with yourself about whether you would come to church? Now, for those of you who did, I am so grateful that you're here. We are. We all are. But many of you got up it's Sunday morning. It was not something that you had to stop and think about. You knew what time. And so you got up, in essence, by habit. And you came here. You established a habit in your life that brings about good and is a part of your obedience in Jesus Christ. So the fact is that transformed lives include at least two changes in habit. We've read about them in these verses. One is we've taken off the old. There is a portion of our lives in which we have turned away from old ways of doing things and we have stopped behaviors. We have quit doing behaviors that are ungodly. And by that word, I mean that lead us away from God. There's so many of those. We can't even begin to enumerate them. It, it could be anything from crazy, out-of-control shopping, substance abuse, gossip. We could could make a long list, couldn't we? So many things that lead our lives in the wrong direction. And in Christ, we know that these things are not what God intends for us. So part of our walk in Christ is, is learning to stop old habits. And that's not always easy, is it? In fact, it's almost always difficult. The other side of it is that we have to develop behaviors that bring Him glory. And the longer we've done them, and the more consistency that we've carried them out, the more automatic they become, and that's when a behavior actually becomes a habit. I don't have to... Do any of you men remember putting your socks on this morning? Maybe some of you do. You know, if somebody asked me in the middle of the day, did you put your socks on? I don't know. There may be a couple of you who didn't wear socks today, but that's fine. It's a little cold for me to wear sandals. But these things began to take place. You remember tying your shoes. Did you have to stop and think, "How, how do I tie my shoes? Well, by the age of six, that was no longer something I had to think about. I put my shoes on and they seemed to be tied. How did that happen? I don't remember. It's a habit. It's almost automatic. Well, let me mention a few things that we know about habits from research. I, I, a few months ago, wrote an article, a missiological article, and I did a lot of reading about habits and was actually really thrilled to learn some things for myself uh, from recent research that is out there in the world. The first thing is that new habits can actually develop quickly. Now, I don't mean in five minutes, and I don't mean in two days. But a lifelong habit can actually be formed in a fairly short period of time. 
Now, one, one study showed that um, people were taking a simple, learning a, a simple new habit, and that by an average of 66 days, it had become so automatic to them that they didn't have to think about it. They were just doing it. 66 days. That means by, in fact, before Easter, we could develop a new lifelong habit that brings honor to God. That's exciting. 66 days. The second thing is that behavior becomes automatic when it's done consistently. Usually we're talking about daily habits here. When it's done every day. Now, the problem is, none of us are perfect, right? The problem is, we start off, maybe we go five days and don't miss a day, and then we miss a day and we beat ourselves up, and actually I think Satan attacks us to say, see, you can't do that. You're inconsistent. This is not going to work. And after five days of doing it and one day of missing it, we get discouraged and we stop. So what the researchers found was that consistency, not perfection, is realistic and powerful. Missing a day a week doesn't break the habit. Missing three days, four days, missing a week might It means you almost start over from scratch now, and now you're discouraged. But if you're trying to start a new habit, you do that thing for those, what, three, four, five days. If you miss a day, then you decide, okay, tomorrow, even if it kills me, I've got to get back. I've got to do this thing. So whether it's exercise or whatever it is that we're trying, or, you know, the carb thing, no carbs. Oh, my, I ate a carb. Uh, If we miss a day, then you get back and you pick it back up. It's consistency, not perfection. And I believe that many of us as sincere Christians, we trip over this failure of perfection a lot. We think, oh, well... I messed up, therefore I might as well quit altogether. So in about two months, if we set our hearts to do something and we do it consistently, and we miss a day or two here, that's okay, but we pick it back up, within about two months, this can become what for us is a new pattern of life. Now, there are two critical strengthening factors that increase the likelihood of this kind of long-term habit change. One is the encouragement of a community. The encouragement of a community. Now, the church is supposed to be that kind of community, and I think at times we fail uh, at this point as a community because... One, we only check with each other once a week. And if we're in this period of forming a new habit, we might need encouragement more than once a week. Because if we go that whole week without it, it's, it's almost too late for encouragement. 
The other thing is we don't share with each other the things that we're actually trying to develop in our lives to bring honor to Christ and hold ourselves accountable. Uh, Those who are involved in Alcoholics Anonymous will tell us that it is the critical piece of being in a community where they hold each other accountable and are checking with each other all the time that actually empowers them to break a bad habit And so the church, we need to be intentionally doing more of this. In our Sunday school classes and one-to-one, we need to be helping each other, praying for each other as we break old habits and form new ones. But the second critical strengthening factor is something we have already. And that is the conviction that there is a powerful God who is involved in our lives. It's not enough that he's out there somewhere. He is involved with us, isn't he? He is here. He is within us. He is working in us. And actually, whatever change takes place in our behavior needs to start with that transforming the internal change that God is doing in our lives that Jennifer read about earlier and that we read again later, the transformation of our minds and our hearts. Now, some of you may recognize this, but research also shows that there are some habits that are now referred to as keystone behaviors. If you change this behavior, it often results, and this this is shown in hundreds of thousands of people, if you change this one behavior, it may result in multiple other behaviors that now fall in place because they now fit with that new behavior. And now you're talking about an even deeper and broader pattern of change in our lives. Now that grabs my attention because I know that I could make a list of things I should work on, but the fact is there's way too many to remember. If there are some key ones that would change my life and then lead me to other changes, then that's an exciting idea for me. Let me just mention four of those that researchers have seen in the lives of just common people, everyday life. What are some of those keystone habits? Well, the first one is one I hope we all have. I think we do, and that is brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth. Now, it's too bad there aren't any children here today. I mean, the preacher's actually saying the same thing mama does. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. It, It They... Research has shown that by teaching someone, in some cases adults who haven't been taught, to brush their teeth, now all of a sudden all kinds of other health things start to fall in place because I've now taken this responsibility. And we know that brushing your teeth just doesn't make your breath smell better and your teeth look better. It actually increases your overall health significantly, doesn't it? It even protects your heart of all things. So brushing your teeth is one of those keystone habits, surprisingly. Here's another one. My mother would have loved this list. Make your bed. Make up your bed. Did you know that research shows that those people who make up their bed organize the rest of their day better than those who don't? And that someone who's not that organized, if they begin to make up their bed early in the morning... Over time, they are more likely to develop these other habits where their life is just more in line and organized and together, together. How about this one? We know this one. 
daily exercise. Daily exercise. Daily exercise is transformative. I, I made the commitment at when I was 18 years old to try to exercise every day. And I'm still not perfect, but fairly consistent. And it's been over 40 years. And it was transformative in my life in, in so many ways. And that's what research shows. And then the fourth one, eat a meal together as a family. Eat a meal together as a family, if possible, every day. At least regularly. That is, has been shown that children who grew up in homes where the family eats a meal together and talks instead of watches television grow up knowing more of who they are, where they fit in the world, have better discipline, make better grades. I mean, the, the other habits that fall in place from that are amazing. So that's four secular keystone habits that are good for all of us. If you're not, if you're not already doing those, I, I would just imagine, yeah, that'd probably be a good thing, but that's not what I'm suggesting to you today. I'm not up here to tell you to brush your teeth and make your bed, though those are good examples. I'd like to talk about two simple habits that I think are critical to the Christian life. And many of you may already have these habits very deeply in your lives. I'd like to encourage you, if you don't, that by Easter they be a habit for you. The first one Jennifer actually talked about, and that is spending time every day in God's Word and praying to your Lord. One of the greatest privileges we have as Christians is knowing Him personally, intimately, listening to Him, learning about Him, and having this transformation that takes place in our lives. And to some extent, I'm please don't hear me saying it's not important to come to church. Please come. Please learn. Be in Sunday school. We have devotion times on Wednesday nights. You can get three of these in, in our just our regular program at the church, but I'm going to just tell you that those will not impact your life as deeply as spending time reading His Word and letting it transform you, listening to what He's saying to you personally every day. If you go five days and you miss Saturday because it was crazy busy, you know, remember, it's not perfection, it's consistency that wins over time. Jesus wants us to know him intimately. Are we pursuing that? That's what Paul was talking about in that Philippians passage. Forgetting what lies behind, I'm just straining towards the future. Do we desire to know him like that? I remember when I was first falling in love in college, and yes, her name was Ann. I couldn't, I couldn't wait for an opportunity even to see her for 10 seconds. And God convicted my heart at that time. I don't, he said, I don't think you're as interested in spending time with me. And boy, I was deeply convicted because it was true. And he was calling me back into a deep walk in intimacy. I have seen men transformed so powerfully by spending time in His Word every day, I could not believe the difference in their lives. A jihadist warrior 
who found Christ and within a year after spending an hour a day in God's Word, so transformed and so filled with joy, it was amazing to see the power of God in his life. That's the first one. And I agree with Jennifer. I think one of the problems we have in this area is that we set goals that are too high. You know, honestly, unless you're already a serious reader, I would suggest not trying to read through the Bible in a year, not trying to read a new book a week or anything like that. I would suggest 15 to 20 minutes a day, at least start there, of just reading God's Word and praying. Tell Him what's on your heart and listen to see what is on His heart in regards to you. And the second one is regularly working to make disciples. Jesus told us that the purpose of the church was to go and to make disciples. And when we come together, we're hopefully being discipled ourselves. We're being encouraged and we're learning and we're following Him as we're together. But... This is the task that he's given to every one of us. And so I ask you, are, how are you encouraging disciples in your life? Now, it may be that you're teaching a Sunday school class. That's certainly it. It may be, I, I know of, of a woman in our church who just because of, I think, her gift of listening has greatly encouraged the discipleship of a new believer in our church. There are so many ways to do this, but if we're surrounded by people who don't know Christ, we need to be sharing about him with them. And for those who are fellow believers, we need to be finding ways to encourage one another. This is the purpose of our lives. And if we're not committed to this particular purpose in the lives of those around us, then how can we expect to sense this excitement about following Jesus Christ? I don't know where you are and I don't know what God might be telling you to do. But this I do know, that if we trust Him, give our lives to Him, and make these simple commitments, that we could have a new pattern of life by Easter that would bring joy and fulfillment to us. And great honor to him. We're going to stand together and sing a hymn of commitment. Wherever he leads, I'll go. <clears throat> Will you go to your neighbor? Will you go to your chair to read your scripture? Will you go where he leads? That's our commitment.